One of the things that impacted me relatively greatly through the period of time, I think it started when I was in Irvine, or when the, his death was first announced, was the death of the rapper Shock G. And Shock G had always been a person that just fascinated me. He appeared on a couple of quite interesting uh, funk documentaries. He appeared on Rap Evolution, I think, which was on Netflix. Um, and he just has a, a history of appearing on a variety of, of different uh, you know, talking points, things associated with either the history of rap or funk or these kind of things. He was a fascinating polymath and someone who I had a lot of admiration for and also found some of his insights really interesting. Anyway, Shock G died, uh, I think, on April 22nd. I mean, he he died at a time where I was waiting for the girls to arrive in California. I think it was just after we first arrived. And it gave me a lot of free time to go and find media. Now, a lot of the media has actually been deleted. But for the last probably three years, he had been producing... I'm not sure whether they're Instagram videos or what kind of videos they were, but there were a few people who either were recipients of these videos or alternatively had just contacted Shokji while he was still alive and had put the videos online. And I had watched a few of them as they came out just because they offered really interesting philosophical insights. His one or two videos that he produced on sampling actually prompted me to buy the website, which is now down, which was used by him and uh, George Clinton and a few other folk to explain in quite great detail how taking samples, documenting the samples, putting the samples together into copyright would also give the owners, the original owners of the music, their ASCAP as well. So just a really complicated character on a number of different levels. I wanted to uh, provide a couple of audio samples of him and just him talking and this will actually break the explicit tag of this particular release. So I'll make sure that the explicit tag is noted. But the thing that I liked about him was just that he had, he's a polymath, right? He had done a lot of interesting musical studies before he actually became uh, the rapper Shock G. And more importantly, his alter ego, Humpty Hump, which is what he's known as doing initially. Well, actually, it's, you know. Uh, overnight success after 20 years of working at it in his case but he has a really interesting or he had a really interesting uh, analysis associated with jazz and blues music and also rap music but you know what fuck the rap game it's ugly it's it's like what other career are men held to such standards such ridiculous street code standards imagine being in the chair your dentist is working on you like, I don't know Hold on a second. Uh, there's a dentist across town. He said, you can't fix teeth. He said, he fixed teeth better than you. What? He jetted right out, left me in the chair. Rounded up his niggas and rolled on that other dentist. Yeah, my dentist ain't no punk. <laughs> you can't imagine it. In any scenario, you can't imagine. Hey, hey, don't eat them fries, shock. How come? Because the owner of Burger King called the owner of McDonald's a bitch-ass nigga, and the owner of McDonald's didn't even respond. So he a punk. We don't listen to him no more. We don't eat his french fries. Nigga, give me my fries. <laughs> you fucking kid. I don't give a fuck what he do in his personal life. As long as these fries taste like this. But as musicians, we're not held to that. 
We're not like, listen to the quality of the CD. Fuck what I do when I'm off stage. What's that got to do with it? Either when I'm on stage or in a video or what you hear on the CD. Other than that, get lost. They too much in our business. Well, he said, you don't really shoot. And you don't really do you know the owner of whoever made your last pair of shoes you bought, whether he shoots or not? Who gives a fuck? That's dumb shit. So I'd rather be in the blues game. They don't treat blues musicians like that. They treat rappers on some weird shit that no one else is held to. There's not one other career that they act like that. Now, the point he makes associated with rap versus blues is something that actually happened to me probably two or so years ago, maybe two or three years ago, when I decided that all the music I was going to produce going forwards would be in the kind of jazz blues genre rather than anything associated with rap. And I did that very consciously based on some of the reasons actually that you touched upon, that the you know blues, jazz, what have you, genre is considerably more open, inclusive, and just generally interesting and not in any way as reactionary as rap has been certainly in the past two decades. So it was interesting that he uh, kind of, post well, not really posthumously, but after his career in rap came to the same conclusions, which is one of the reasons I wanted to put the audio uh, in this particular podcast. What really disgusted me about his passing was the way for a certain portion of the you know music media, it became, a, because there's no post-mortem, it became a kind of speculative thing associated with what concoction of drugs might have killed him? There seems to be no evidence. I mean, there's, there's piecemeal evidence that he had been arrested and nearly arrested associated with methamphetamine, which is not an ideal way to, you know, lead into your death. But anyway, and if you listen to some of this stuff, I'm going to play a little bit more about his lost iPhone. You'll hear, you know, real paranoia uh, in his interactions as well. But the two aspects of his passing that really irritated me was firstly the speculation on what had killed him. I mean, he might have died of COVID, right? <laughs> I mean, there are a variety of things killing people now, which aren't the most salacious things possible. But the salacious speculation about the cocktail of drugs that might have killed him, I just found disgusting. The second thing, and the reason that I'm recording this podcast specifically for folks such as Barney Dicker, and it's why it's going into both feeds, basically. It's going into um, my Long Funk feed and also my My Rules Are Better feed, thus polluting explicit stuff in there, is because the speculation around his death was that he had thousands of projects which he was working on, none of which had come out, and none of which were in any way meaningful. And maybe a year or two ago, he lost his iPhone. And in the process of losing his iPhone, he recorded a lot of different audio. But the stuff that fascinated me was when he describes basically what's on the iPhone of many different projects. It's just a lot of gifts that I have for my friends Unfinished videos Unfinished song fragments Loving things For friends I know Some for Instagram So it can be joy enjoyed by all people UET's got me stuttering now they always pointing at me with them silent weapons now But it doesn't matter, I'm still Shock G And I will never turn my back on the people Let's be free I just want my phone back Now here's the thing though If 
if they care about you, I'm telling you, they don't care about you. Whoever has my phone, whoever's actually in an office holding it or whatever, they don't care about you. Here's the proof. If they cared about you, they'd let you get the two grand reward. On my word, on my mom's life, on my life, on my unborn children's life, on everyone I love and everything I love's life and on my own life, I'm going to count out 20 $100 bills to whoever floats my phone back in my hand. And if they cared about you, whoever cared about you, they would just go ahead, take the contents. It's not like I'm hiding what's in there. I just want to make sure the people I'm making that content for sees it because there's special stuff in there. Some of it's romantic stuff. I'm an old school romantic. True, true. And and stuff like that. It's just it's just stuff for family. It's uh it's little jokes with me and my girl in a time machine, and then okay, and then we have a little sex underwater. Then I tell her that ET taught me how to breathe underwater, and we have sex. We get in the time machine and go back to when I was. Then my the old me steals the key to the time machine, comes back and tries to sleep with my girl. We get in a fight. He messes me up, puts me in the hospital because he's ten years younger. The O eight shock, and then me and him get in a fight. And then when I go to the hospital because he messed me up, he steals Ashley's roommate, and they run into twenty thirty five. Then they come in emergency. We gotta get you out the hospital. You know how to run a time machine, shock? I'm like, yes. We gotta go to twenty thirty five and save. Shock and Kelly because there's a nuclear war that happens then and we get there just in time and pull them in before they get vaporized and we come back. And then we think we come back, we go too far and then when I'm in the dinosaur age, and ah, so we jump back in and do it and we accidentally come back to 2021 instead of 2019. And Ashley no longer works where she works. She works at the aquarium now. And she thought she had a secret place that we can do it without nobody watching. Underwater. We always underwater for hours. We breathe underwater. And we're underwater and then, you know, we're doing it. And then suddenly the lights go on and families, little kids are, Mommy, what's that? Oh, God, don't look, Helen. Come on, let's go. I was like, I thought you said nobody could see us. We all naked trying to get dressed. See, in the aquarium, it's funny stuff like that. And then it's just other junk, too. Like, you know, I got jumped by the police and beat up. I'm blaming the police. It wasn't the police. It was just some gang stalkers in Ebor City. They jumped me. I had to walk with crutches. My face was out to here, collarbone, this, that, ankle broke, all kind of shit. Two weeks later, I'm all right. I'm all right. Of course, this resonates heavily with me because I'm a person of many different projects. And I'm a person of many different projects where only some of them see the light of day. But I thought in particular it was important for folks such as Barney Dicker who seem to kind of add projects to projects to projects before a project comes out. And believe me, this touches me as well. This is part of my life as well. But the thing that the shock G's death struck me with was that I need to reduce my projects down. I need to think more about actually, you know, public facing, getting stuff out as much as possible. And also, obviously, there's a certain amount of uh, R&D or, you know, whatever one wants to call it, um, that projects need to have before they're enough to be shown in public. But I think at the same time, Chuck G illustrates to me very readily that creative, intelligent, deep people are also, you know, the, perhaps not the best people to actually get stuff out. So for me personally, the death of Chuck G, aside from going back through archives and archives of stuff, of information, stuff that he's put out, very heavily kind of a public domain activist in many regards, was just the folly of being creative 
without actually getting things out there. So I thought it merited a podcast recording for both feeds. And I really still feel somewhat emotionally affected by this. It's really quite strange. It perhaps could be the time that it occurred and the fact that it was an incredibly stressful kind of period in my life, but also one of just immense number of unknowns. But genuinely, I think what this fellow has done historically, and also the way in which he's touched just a variety of different people, indicates that, you know, maybe there's some positivity in this path. You just need to get stuff out. (laughs) Because if you don't get stuff out, irrespective of, you know, who you are and what you're doing, the majority of the population isn't going to take any aspect of you. You know, you're just some, I don't know, bright-eyed optimist who never actually gets anything out. So, yes, the passing of Shock G get your projects out keep the projects to a doable number and get them out and you know then have a legacy of things that other people have enjoyed and been a part of so yeah shout outs to barney dicker i I think this is a kind of common theme uh, in his work as well but i just wanted to put this in the feed if nothing more to break my explicit tag tom barbelay in i think i'm in las vegas yeah i'm pretty sure i'm in las vegas signing out